one-hit wonder. I'll always remember this really cute girl sitting next to this guy with his dog on the plane. It sounded like he had a stutter. She had her own issues with saying like too much. Right before takeoff, she stood up screaming that we were all going to die or something like that. It was a good thing I'd taken my milligram of Xanax or I probably would have freaked out myself. There was one flight about 10 years back where I had a panic attack at cruising altitude. My mom loaded me with Xanax and I fell asleep dreaming of my first girlfriend. I woke up crying thinking we'd gotten back together. I missed her the way you miss dessert when you get grounded after dinner. You know what I mean? You're all pissed off and puffy-eyed, but chocolate sure sounds good. We landed without much of a problem. I mean, the right wing was on fire. Nah, that's a joke. But seriously, that happened to my grandparents on a flight decades ago. My grandmother once called my grandfather a white-knuckle flyer. That would explain why. Though my mom says before smoking was banned, he and his hefty disposition used to walk up and down the aisle like a flight attendant smoking and talking to anyone that would talk to him. Boy, did he love smoking. It's always a great shame when one of your great loves kills you. It's very Shakespearean. Lung cancer is very Shakespearean. Anyway, I headed home to surprise my parents for Thanksgiving. I had my brother pick me up from the airport on his way into town from Columbus. He was part of the surprise. It's weird to think that a month later from the exact moment I stepped off the plane I would attempt suicide. Well, it came close. I was high on Ativan and ready to go. I had my knife, my booze, and my pills out before me. I don't need to explain the whole process, but just as I was about to have my first drink in three years, I noticed my brother, who was in Israel, was on Facebook Messenger. Thinking it would be the last encounter we ever had, I wrote to him asking how he was doing. He called me back through Messenger, which I didn't know was possible. My phone picked up without me answering. It took him about one minute to realize something was very wrong. He told me if I didn't go to the hospital, he was going to call our parents and they'd call 911. He'd call 911, but he was in Israel, so he couldn't. In that moment, I had three choices. One, rush my suicide, which I was trying to make a day-long event. Two, go to the hospital on my own accord. Three, hop in my car and run away. I chose option number two. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about this. It's Thanksgiving. All I'm trying to say is my brother sort of saved my life, and the night he picked me up from the airport, he had no clue he would be doing it. Okay, I'm off track. Yada yada yada. I was still in the airport. The cute girl was walking in front of me talking to the guy that stuttered. They seemed like they really bonded over the flight. She handed him her phone. He gave her his number. I wondered why I couldn't ever have a meet cute on a plane when I spotted my brother Kevin. How was the drive, I asked. Fine. Do you want me to drive? No. The car ride home would have been silent if it weren't for the radio. We fulfilled our regular tradition of singing Fiddler on the Roof songs. It wasn't that we disliked talking. It was that we had nothing to say. That sounds kind of mean, but it's not. My brother and I, barring striking differences, are about 75% the same person. When you're 75% the same as someone, you don't need to talk. You just understand. And what better way to understand the world than by singing a Broadway tune? When we got home, our parents were eating a late night dinner at the table. They jumped, thinking we were intruders. My dad held out his steak knife. My mom prepared to shatter her wine glass and shank us. Hugs and kisses followed. 
That was when I looked for Dandy. She was my first dog. The dog that made me realize dogs weren't scary. In fact, dogs were lovable. I couldn't find any of her toys or her bed. I'd only been gone six months. I wondered if they moved her to the basement. Where's Dandy? I asked. My parents looked at each other and then my brother looked down. Dandy's dead, said my dad. What do you mean she's dead? She died the day after you left for L.A., said my mom. And no one told me? No one wanted to upset you, said my dad. Upset me? This upsets me. Learning that my dog died six months ago and no one told me upsets me. How did she die? We didn't know, said my mom. But she had spleen cancer and it spread to her brain. How could you not tell me, I screamed. Because we knew you'd react like this and figured it would be better if you did when we were all together, said my dad. I turned to my brother. Did you know? He nodded up and down a few times. I threw my head in my hands and then my spine curled back. How come you didn't tell me, Kevin? You didn't ask, said my brother. How was I supposed to know to ask? I shouted. I sat myself on the ground and curled up in a ball where Dandy used to lay down. Then I stuck my nose in the carpet like a dog would to try and smell her. The spot below me smelled like carpet cleaner, so I got on all fours and smelled every inch of the shag. It all smelled the same to me. Not only was Dandy dead, but she was completely removed from this world. My brother pulled out the Rupert Holmes album Partners in Crime. He slid the record on and dropped the needle. The track Escape, the Pina Colada song came on. One by one, my family started singing along until I joined in. The whole time I was thinking about Dandy, but I understood the message my brother was trying to tell me. He was telling me death was inevitable and I had to get the hell out of here before it caught up with me. More than that, the way he was telling me to go was with a drink. I felt a buzz in my pocket and pulled out my phone. I didn't have the contact saved, but I recognized the number. It was my first girlfriend. Since we broke up, she always reached out to me once a year around the holidays. It was usually something silly or unbelievable, or one time it was a simple hello. So I took out my phone and slid open the screen. Her message sat before me in blue, making my heart pump faster than it had at any point on that night's flight. I don't know if you're in town, but if you wanted to meet up, I'm here from New York for a few days. Her message read, Escape the Pina Colada song ended and the track Partners in Crime came on. No one in my family knew the words. My mom picked up the needle and started the album over. I started to laugh. It was so funny to me that Holmes had named his album after a track no one would ever listen to. He was essentially a one-hit wonder. Maybe the most popular one-hit wonder of all time, and I was jealous because I knew in that moment I would die a no-hit wonder. At least that's what I thought. I can meet up tonight, I wrote back. Where are you at? The One Hit Wonder, story number 28, is an incredibly personal story. I use a lot of personal details in it, and so I don't feel like explaining them, but they're there for you to hear because they're all there, and it's the truth just laid out plain and simple. If you like what you're hearing, which I hope you do at this point, next up is number 29, Forever Day. Forever Day is... Probably the saddest story in the collection if you're a big fan of dogs. Which, if you're listening to this, I hope you like dogs in some weird capacity. Up next is 29 Forever Day. Thanks. Enjoy. Bye.